Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. <laughs> on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Friday, January 19th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to a brand new hour as we continue with our March for Life edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thank you so much for making us a part of your morning wherever you may be across America and beyond. Listening to us here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. As uh, you know, if you've been tuning in uh, this morning, we've been talking about the issue of life with a great lineup of national pro-life leaders from the 51st Annual National March for Life in Washington, D.C. This is only the second march uh, since Roe v. Wade was overturned back in 2022 on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I want to remind you with the March for Life uh, going on in D.C. again this year, Relevant Radio is inviting you to Fast for Life. In solidarity with the marchers, you can take an active part in the march uh, right from your home or your office, wherever you may be, uh, praying and fasting for the protection of the unborn. And keep in mind, uh, it is still not too late uh, to do something special, some kind of sacrifice uh, to uh, pray and fast for life. Uh, Tell us how uh, you're planning on participating today or how you've already started to participate at Relevant Radio. Radio.com slash fast. That's relevantradio.com slash fast. And uh, be sure to uh, share the hashtag fast for life on all of your social media. want to bring in Glenn and Sarah once again. Hey, Glenn, what are some of the big stories making headlines this hour here on this Friday morning? And John, we're closing in on the uh, New Hampshire primary, first in the nation primary, and of course on the Republican side, a uh, heated contest. Uh, three candidates left, taking a look at uh, where some of the polls Stand at the moment in New Hampshire, former President Trump at uh, 47%, uh, Nikki Haley at uh, 33%, Ron DeSantis at 5%. That's the average of, uh, of recent polls in New Hampshire. And, of course, uh, the main poll counts uh, on Tuesday when folks uh, do go to the ballot. And uh, New Hampshire allows folks who have not previously uh, declared a party affiliation to, to go ahead and vote there. The makeup of the state, generally about 30% Republican, 30% Democrat, and uh, leaving about 40% uh, who haven't declared for a party who uh, consider themselves somewhat independent. And uh, strong showing will be needed uh, by Nikki Haley to keep momentum going. And Ron DeSantis uh, focusing on South Carolina coming up yet in a few weeks, John. Yes, he's already headed uh, for uh, the the next uh, primary in South Carolina. And in fact, uh, the president, uh, pre- uh, former President Trump, uh, says that he loves the state of, of New Hampshire and he uh, really doesn't care for the open primary system, which he claims uh, would allow registered Democrats to vote in a Republican primary. So there's been a lot of back and forth on, on that issue. And uh, he was quite vocal yesterday uh, saying... Uh, that he doesn't think that Haley has any chance. Well, uh, you know, as uh, uh, the uh, other candidate, that's what you'd say, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and obviously she's got a different perspective. 
Yeah, exactly. And so uh, uh, she's uh, expected to have a much stronger showing there than in Iowa. And uh, we'll we'll see where things go from there, John. All of that banter means uh, nothing uh, except for uh, the the results uh, once uh, the votes are in uh, next Tuesday in New Hampshire. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, as expected, and we've seen it time and time again, uh, the House passed yet another temporary funding bill. Yep, they got it done. uh, So things didn't shut down tonight. Uh, The House... uh, Voted 314 to 108 on this bill, agreeing with the uh, the Senate, who passed a bill of 77 to 18 to keep uh, things rolling at least uh, through March now until they can work a little a little harder on it, I guess, between uh, now and then or at the last minute. Maybe maybe they're like college kids with a paper due the next day and you got to do an all nighter. But uh, any, anyway, so things are, are rolling ahead right there, John. Not a big uh, surprise there. Uh, meanwhile, of course, uh, for, for us as Catholics and uh, people of life, uh, the big story this morning is uh, the 51st March for Life, uh, which is going on uh, in Washington, D.C. a little bit later uh, t- today. Um, what is uh, the latest? Well, the lineup, and of course, we've been hearing a lot of folks who are out there, but uh, as far as the official things, uh, there's the expo going on later this morning, a a pre-rally concert with the the Danny Gokey band. He was on American Idol, been nominated for several Grammys. Uh, He's performing at 11. The March for Life rally is at noon, and then the the literal march gets underway around 1 o'clock, an ecumenical effort. Uh, In addition to uh, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson will be there, former NFL tight end Benjamin Watson will be there. Uh, president of Focus on the Family, Jim Daly, Greg Laurie, popular evangelist, will be there. So a whole lot of folks from different walks of life that love life will be in Washington, D.C. today. As always, it's, it's always an all-star uh, lineup of pro-life speakers. And uh, the theme for this year's March for Life, with every woman, for every child. And this theme focuses on the need to care for both mother and child during all the nine months of pregnancy and uh, the years after. It, it's a, a beautiful uh, thought. We love both uh, the mothers and the the babies. Well, absolutely. Have to be for, for all people and uh, helping folks recognize that those uh, those babies that are yet born are, are still still humans, tiny little humans. Now, Glenn, it's been almost 18 months since uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, and there are folks out there who even question whether or not there should still be a National March for Life uh, at this time in, in D.C. Um, we spoke uh, to uh, Jeannie Mancini, uh, the president of the March for Life here on Morning Air, uh, and she gave her perspective. We have worked so hard to try to share with people why it would be the worst idea ever to cancel the world's largest annual human rights demonstration when we haven't done away with the human rights abuse of abortion. What we typically see is, depending on the year and the weather and, you know, VIP presence, etc., we could have anywhere from 10 to 20 for the rally and then upwards of 100,000 on the march route itself. But I will tell you that for the rally portion, I couldn't see the end of the folks that were there. And their excitement was palpable. Well, it's always exciting, the March for Life. Uh, and any given year, I've been blessed to, to be at the march many times over the years, including the 40th anniversary uh, march, uh, one that I will never forget, 650,000 people on hand for that one, Glenn. Yeah, just uh, amazing times. And, you know, why do we continue to march? Uh, Dr. Pat Castle, who joined us in the past hour as well, uh, said we, we march for God, right? We're marching 
for God. Marching for life is, is marching for God. And he gives that reason. And, and through the years, you mentioned, you know, it becomes such a such a youth event as well with the, the younger generation really understanding uh, that many of their peers were not there because of abortion. Um, and we had some great yeah, We're talking some... about 65 million plus unborn babies. That's the number that we can never forget. Uh, it is uh, bigger than many countries around the world. When you look at it, it's a number, you, it's very hard to wrap your head around it. Oh, it certainly is. You know, when we think of the number killed in World War II, for example, that's, uh, you know, the number's not even close to that with, uh, you know, millions upon millions killed there. As far as uh, some of those memories from those marches, uh, a couple of our morning show regulars on morning air through the year, uh, Monsignor James Shea with uh, kids from the University of Mary uh, making their way via bus on the way back. The, the great story of uh, at the snowstorm the one year and uh, the bus stranded, uh, I believe it was in Pennsylvania, and uh, folks having mass on the snowbank alongside buses that were stranded for hours upon hours upon hours and didn't stop them from practicing their Catholic faith. Great, great stories, and uh, you know it. It, it, it continues uh, to to be really a a, a, a spiritual pro life tune up for all of those young people, high school and college students uh, that come to the march, and the vast majority of them are young people. Uh, a lot of folks can't be in D.C. They can't be on on the West Coast for the uh, Walk for Life uh, tomorrow. But uh, everybody who's listening to us here on uh, Morning Air and on Relevant Radio can participate in their own respective way. Hey. Sarah, we've got some folks uh, who are fasting for life. Uh, all 50 states are represented this year and uh, even many places around the world. Sure. Over 2,500 people already signed up. You could still sign up, too. There's still time. And, yeah, people are not just, you know, you think about fasting, you think about food, but it's not just food that people are fasting from. There's many different ways to make some kind of small sacrifice today in honor of those unborn. Um, we've got uh, Suzanne in California saying she's giving up chocolate. So that is a food, but she's also going to try to give up cussing. Oh, gosh, that can be tough, you know. <laughs> Difficult things, and it just is a knee-jerk reaction just to, you know, kind of spout a word out. So that's going to take uh, some self-control. I will not uh, raid your office uh, and go into your chocolate box okay, today. Okay, good. Yeah, I put it away. I didn't want to leave <laughs> temptation out for those who might be trying to sacrifice today. Although it might be better, right, to make it a harder sacrifice. So maybe I should go put it back out. But yeah, we have some participants saying, hey, they're giving up their heated seats. Okay, I don't think this is someone who's living in Florida because that won't be too much of a sacrifice. Hopefully someone in a colder climate. But there's so many different ways to do it. If you're interested, relevantradio.com, hashtag fast for life. Please make sure to add that when you uh, decide what you're going to give up and what you can do today to uh, be in solidarity with those marchers out there. And it's not too late, even if you've already had a breakfast. You can do something the rest of the day. As always, uh, thanks, Sarah and Glenn. Uh, first things first, we start uh, every hour uh, here on the show, always in prayer. And in a special way this morning, we're going to pray the Memorari for Life, uh, for an end to abortion in our Nation, uh, keeping in mind that uh, we have prayed over 568 million memoraries uh, for life here on Relevant Radio as a whole. And so we invoke uh, the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, 
But in thy mercy, hear and answer us. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas and patroness of the unborn, patroness of Relevant Radio as well, please pray for us and pray for the unborn. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And in a special way, we invoke the Holy Spirit and ask for his guidance to illuminate our hearts and our minds when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's also remember the sacred heart of Jesus as well as the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, something that we always do every single Friday. Our power scripture from the playbook of life this morning is from Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. Every life is special, and every life has a purpose. The Lord knew you before you were conceived. The Lord knew you by your name when you were born and your specific mission in life. God and God alone is the author of life, and human life must be protected from the first moment of conception until the good Lord calls us home. And so we always pray with great confidence that prayer from the chaplet of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. We need to take a short pause when we come back. Eva Montaigne, the co-chair and co-founder of the Walk for Life West Coast, will tell us about this year's 20th anniversary walk and rally that is going on tomorrow in San Francisco. So stay with us as this March for Life edition of Morning Air continues on this Friday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. There's no greater issue, there's no greater cause than the fact that unborn children that are the most vulnerable are being killed by the thousands. And so I think that regardless of your political persuasion or your religious persuasion or whatever you otherwise believe, everyone can agree that human life must be protected, especially in its weakest forms. And that was the president and founder of Live Action, Lila Rose, one of the great uh, speakers at tomorrow's West Coast Walk for Life. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much uh, for tuning in. It's great to be with you on this Friday as we continue with our special March for Life edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, we're going to head to the other side of America, where the second largest pro-life event uh, will be taking place tomorrow, January 20th, in San Francisco. And that is, of course, the Walk for Life West Coast. This year marks the 20th anniversary of the Walk for Life, and that's 20 years of standing up for the littlest and the most vulnerable among us, and 20 years of fearlessly asserting that abortion hurts women. Here's part of a really powerful preview of this year's event. 20 years ago, it started with a simple idea. Year after year, our numbers grew. We will march on until the one day where abortion around the world is not only illegal, but unthinkable. Being a Marine for every black child, every white child, every Episcopalian, every Catholic, every Baptist, and all of God's children will be able to take hands together Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, every baby will be free at last. So 
moving and so powerful. Uh, joining us uh, this morning from San Francisco is Eva Montaigne, uh, the co-chair and the co-founder of the West Coast uh, uh, Walk for Life. Uh, good morning, Eva. Thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, from, from San Francisco. It is, it is a joy to be with you once again. Oh, it's very much a pleasure. The pleasure is mine. I, I'm so impressed with um, everything that's going on in the pro-life movement this weekend. So thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a joy. And uh, you and I have a little bit of history that goes all the way back uh, to that clip we just heard from Lila Rose uh, from the 40 film. Uh, can you believe it's been 10 years since it came out uh, this past December? Oh, my goodness. And it's 20 years for us. This is our 20 year anniversary. And and Lila has been with us, you know, before. So this is her second time um, joining us this year. So we're very excited to have her. Well, this is such a special anniversary for you. Uh, 20 years of the Walk for Life West Coast. Uh, as the co-founder of this walk, uh, tell us what went through your mind, you know, 20 plus years ago when you were inspired and you decided to organize uh, this event. Well, actually, we started in 2004 by putting together within three weeks a marriage rally, because at that time, uh, Gavin Newsom was our mayor and he was allowing same sex marriages, which were illegal. So we decided let's let's put together a marriage rally. And it was such a success um, that we decided we wanted to keep the momentum going and keep putting uh, putting all these great pro-life and, and, and Christian people together. And so we had both been to the March for Life and we had we were so moved by that event that we decided, why don't we do a sister event here in San Francisco to the March for Life where they do it during the week. We'll do it over the weekend. They focus on legislature. We're going to focus on how abortion hurts women. So that's kind of how it started. We decided to to keep bringing people together because it's so powerful when you see the numbers and you can talk to your peers and they and you have the same values and and you get motivated so so that's kind of how it got started well uh, i think it's it's important uh, to uh, remember that uh, over all these years since roe v wade uh, 65 million plus unborn babies ha have died since roe and uh, it's something to keep in mind even now today in this post roe america absolutely i mean it's uh, it's been kind of very depressing to see how many uh, states have enacted laws that were just as bad as Roe v. Wade was. So that's why we must keep the pressure up and we're not going to stop fighting until abortion is unthinkable. You know, it's uh, it's quite a, a big statement to, to do uh, a walk for life uh, in a city like San Francisco, uh, which uh, is clearly not a, a conservative uh, city. How challenging has it been uh, for you from the very beginning? Well, at the very beginning, um, because we had, like I said earlier, Gavin Newsom as our mayor, and we had Kamala Harris, and, and so they both were very vocal against us. In fact, they organized a counter-rally for the same day as our first Walk for Life. And to be quite honest, we owe them the success of the walk to them because they made such a hoopla about it, and they were so outspoken to come out against us that it made people come to to us. <laughs> it gave us the exposure that we needed to, to let people know what we were doing. And we outnumbered them two to one that first year. And even though they did all their best to rally the city against us, 
And we've grown every year since then up to COVID. And now we're building back up. And, and we were the only event in, during COVID that kept, uh, kept doing the event. So we're very proud of that. And, and it was amazing how even during the height of COVID, we had several thousand people come and, and show their support for life. Well, I'm sure they don't even realize that you're grateful to Gavin Newsom and uh, our current uh, vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, for uh, some of the inspiration for uh, your uh, walk for life. Can you think of uh, some moments that really stand out over the last 20 years? Well, I was very moved when I found out from David Delighton, who did all that undercover work for uh, Planned Parenthood, not for Planned Parenthood, against Planned Parenthood. Um, I was very moved when he came to give a talk and he mentioned the fact that he got the inspiration to do his undercover work from coming to the Walk for Life. And so that was that always moved me. And then uh, one time I was giving a talk at a parish in the East Bay. And after my talk, um, they had high school students get up and give a talk about what the Walk for Life meant to them. And I was so moved to hear that those kids came back to their schools and wrote pro-life papers and started pro-life clubs and and really got motivated and encouraged to stand up for life and be vocal about it. So those are kind of the things that really keep me motivated to keep doing this because all of us here have full-time jobs outside of the walk and we do this in our spare time and it is grueling. <laughs> so, um, so but, but we're very motivated by the successes that come out of the walk. How much of a blessing is it to have uh the Archbishop of San Francisco to be as pro-life as he is, and we're talking about Archbishop uh, uh, Salvatore Cordelione. Oh, gosh, he's been coming to the walk from before he even got to San Francisco. When he was down in San Diego, he would fly up here to come to the Walk for Life. So he's been a huge support, absolutely. Um, He writes letters for us every year. He encourages his priests to come. He encourages individuals to come. Uh, It's undescribable how much he has meant to us and and his support, how much it means to us. We're joined this morning uh, from San Francisco by Eva Montaigne, the co-chair and co-founder of the Walk for Life West Coast. Uh, Eva, you have an outstanding lineup of speakers uh, for this 20th anniversary event. Uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, some of your speakers, including Lila Rose, who we heard at the beginning. We covered the gamut, I think, this year because uh, we have Lila Rose, who uh, uh, most people know is the president of Live Action. And then we have Kaya Jones. Every single year we sh- try to have somebody, a woman who talks about their abortion experience. And since our motto is abortion hurts women, that we make sure to have one every year. And this year it's Kaya Jones. Kaya was a former member of the Pussycat Dolls. She's had three abortions, and she has now realized the horror of those three abortions and is passionately pro-life and wants to share her story So, to, in the hopes that it will help other young girls. So she's going to join us, and we're very excited to have her. Her story is so powerful. And then we have Kim Henkel now. She is going to talk about adoption and fostering and the importance of those. And she herself has fostered and has adopted four children. So we're very excited to have her. Such an important topic. And then you played the clip earlier of Reverend Childress. He is an amazing speaker, and he talks about how the abortion industry targets uh, the black community unproportionately high. 
and he's a motivational speaker. He's wonderful. He's been with us almost every single year since our very beginning. And he's the one that speaks last and gets the crowds going for their walk. So we're very excited to have him join us again. So, yeah, those are our four main speakers. We're giving our Gianna Mola Award to Father Fessio, who's the founder of Ignatius Press, as you know. And so that rounds out our speakers. It sounds like a, an outstanding uh, lineup. And uh, it's uh, it's was so inspirational and moving to hear uh, uh, Reverend uh, uh, Childress uh, with uh, what he had to say, and I'm sure he will be on fire uh, coming up uh, tomorrow for, for the big event. Where are you guys uh, going to be walking to and from? We're going to start at Civic Center Plaza. At 11 o'clock is the info fair. We always make sure every year that to give an p- opportunity for pro-life organizations to hand out their material so that people can get involved. And then we have the silent no more starting at the same time. They have a platform for where the women can share their stories. And then our rally starts at 1230 at Civic Center Plaza. Uh, we have the rally for one hour at 130. We start walking. We walk down the middle of San Francisco on Market Street all the way down to the water to the ferry building. And we end there. And so it's a be- really, really quite a beautiful walk. And uh, we hope everyone can come join us. And I understand that you have some special treats uh, for uh, the folks on hand, both uh, the little ones and the adults. Yes, we're going to give out some free books, Poor Life Books for Kids and for Adults. So that's going to be given out at the info fair, so uh, while supplies last. And then we also have, we're going to have face painting. The Sisters of Life are going to help with that so that, you know, for the kids we can do um, face painting, of some kind of pro-life message. And then we also have temporary tattoos of the, our logo that people can come to the info fair and get. So, yeah, which and we also for the first time have the playground at Civic Center Plaza open. Usually the city closes it when during our event. And this year for because we have so many families and kids come that it's going to be great for the kids to be able to play in the playground before the rally begins. I know the crowds have grown over the years. Uh, any guess as to how big of a crowd do you expect for this 20th anniversary? Uh, that's really hard to tell because COVID had a, a big hit on us. Um, but we've been growing back every year since COVID. So I would say before COVID, we were about 50,000. I'd say we've grown back up to about 35,000. But every year it's getting bigger. I think people have still kind of... Some of people are really scared, you know, about the protests and the and COVID, and um, but it's it's definitely coming back up, and we're very excited to see what happens tomorrow. What about the media coverage? How does the the media uh, cover uh, the uh, Walk for Life West Coast? Uh, do you guys get any favorable uh, coverage there in a state like California, where uh, it is a, a sanctuary state, and, and we know that it's a, it's a really big battle in your state. Absolutely. Um, it's, it really depends on the year, and I guess it must depend on the news cycle. Uh, I think we will have some this year. Uh, in the past, some really, occasionally we've had some fair coverage, but mainly people say, you know, our numbers are equal to the protesters, which they never are. And anymore, we only get a few hundred protesters, and we're in the tens of thousands. Um, so we do get that bias uh, in the local media. But, you know, 
we we have so such good um, national media coverage, like yourself. <laughs> um, so we that gets the word out, that gets the message out, and of course we have all the thousands of people that show up here. So we're excited about that. Well, Eva, you know, we uh, provide a platform uh, for the pro-life movement here on uh, Morning Air and on Relevant Radio because I think it's so important to counter the narrative that is out there in the mainstream media. And so, you know, you always have an open microphone here uh, on this show. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and I'm very impressed with your show, and I thank you for having me. Well, I just uh, wanted to get one final uh, thought from you uh, uh, here uh, as to the state of uh, America in terms of the pro-life movement, where you think we're at uh, here about a year and a half after the overturning of Roe. Well, I think for right after, I think maybe people relaxed a bit, uh, but I think it's becoming quite obvious that we can't relax. We have to keep going. We have to keep fighting. Um, these state laws are devastating losses. And I don't, I truly don't believe that the people who voted for those laws knew exactly what they were voting for. You know, abortion being legal up to the day of birth is not something that people understand these laws represent. So I, I think we need to keep the education up. We need to keep fighting and we need to keep getting the word out. It's hard battling Planned Parenthood. It has so much money and, you know, they, they can put out the false narrative. Um, so, but we have to keep trying. We have to keep going. It's God's call. The battle is far from over. It really is uh, a David versus Goliath. But remember, uh, who wins in that battle in the end? That's right. Exactly. We're we're definitely fighting that battle, but we're God's on our side. So there's going to be a win here. We're going to win. People are going to realize that abortion is child sacrifice. Well, where can our listeners uh, learn more about uh, this year's Walk for Life West Coast? You can find out all the schedule because we have many events around our schedule. So like barbecues and after parties and holy hours. So uh, you can find out all that information on our website at walkforlifewc.com. So walkforlifewc.com. Eva, congratulations on uh, your 20th anniversary. Uh, many, many blessings uh, tomorrow uh, there in San Francisco for uh, the Walk for Life West Coast. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, and God bless. Many blessings to you as well. Eva Montaigne, the co-chair and co-founder of the West Coast Walk for Life. We need to take a short break. Uh, When we come back, National Pro-Life leader Abby Johnson, the former clinic director of Planned Parenthood, the founder of And Then There Were None, she'll be with us uh, from the March for Life in Washington, D.C. to talk about how we can approach abortion clinic workers who are transitioning out of the industry. Stay with us. A lot more to go as we are headed down the stretch on this March for Life edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. There is no longer a federal constitutional right to an abortion. The Supreme Court has essentially reshaped American life. In the coming weeks and months, a total of 26 states are likely to ban or severely restrict access to abortion. What does this mean for you today? 
This means everything. This is the moment that we have been working toward. This is a historic day. This is the first day that America is living in a post-Roe generation. Our fight is not with the doctors. Our fight is not with the people in the industry, and it's certainly not with the ladies that have procured an abortion. Our fight is with the spirit of death. There's so many times that people say, well, Abby, that was just your experience at your one clinic. And um, I thought, well, okay, maybe, but why don't we get a whole bunch of us together and see if that's really true? And that was part of the trailer from Unthinkable, an Abby Johnson film uh, coming soon in March of uh, 2024. Welcome back to our March for Life edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is uh, so good to be with you uh, this morning in which we have been talking about life all morning long. Now, uh, one of uh, the issues that uh, is important for the pro-life movement are the folks who are involved with performing the abortions, the abortion doctors and the nurses and the clinic employees, uh, many of them who have left uh, over 600, over 600 have actually become pro-life over the years. And uh, I want to share with you a conversation that I had uh, with uh, Abby Johnson last year. We were scheduled to have her on uh, live with us. Uh, here th- this morning, but apparently uh, she uh, somehow is uh, tied up and unable to, to join us. So uh, we had a very compelling interview that we did uh, last year at this time uh, for uh, the March for Life, in, in which uh, Abby uh, shared part of her story and her passion for defending uh, life. Uh, she is a uh, national pro-life advocate and a national leader. She's also the former clinic director of Planned Parenthood and uh, the CEO of uh, and. Then there were none, a ministry designed to assist abortion clinic workers in transitioning out of the industry. Here is my conversation with Abby Johnson. Good morning, Abby. Thanks so much for joining us from Washington. It is so good to be with you this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Abby, uh, it's been uh, nearly seven months, but what goes through your mind when you uh, just heard that announcement that Roe uh, was overturned uh, in, in dramatic fashion on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus? Well, I mean, that was certainly a, a great day. Uh, we've had, you know, it, a lot of successes at the state level. Of course, where I live in Texas, uh, abortion was made illegal after Roe was overturned. So, uh Definitely, you know, so glad to see Roe in the in the ash heap of history. Um, but of course, much much more work to do. Abortion is still available in the overwhelming majority of states. We have our very bipartisan FDA that has essentially greenlit medication abortion into every pharmacy um, in the United States, and has has really made. Uh, turned every every woman's home into her own abortion clinic. So uh, much more work to do, but I believe the pro-life movement is is ready for the challenge. Yeah, the uh, the situation with the abortion pill is really uh, the new frontier. In fact, uh, it, it was depicted uh, in uh, in the movie uh, Unplanned uh, that uh, talked about uh, your your own story. So it, this is uh, something so important, and I know for you, it's personal. Yeah, it is. The medication abortion pill is, um, it's a dangerous drug and it should be categorized as, as a dangerous drug. 
And every website that you go to nowadays, these pro-abortion websites, they will tell these women lies. They say things like, oh, the medication abortion pill is, is no different than taking a Tylenol. Um, it's incredibly deceiving. And I know firsthand uh, what these women go through when they take these drugs. And, you know, we don't even know what is going to happen down the road. All of these women taking these pills and psychologically, what's going to happen to a whole society of women who have looked into a toilet and have seen their fully formed children uh, lying there in a toilet? Um, You know, we, we don't know. And... I think that we're going to, to see um, increased rates of depression, anxiety, suicide, even um, in women. And, you know, who's addressing this? It's certainly not, you know, the American Psychological Association and uh, certainly not Planned Parenthood and these groups that are pushing these pills forward. So, you know, we as the pro-life movement have got to really start sounding the alarm and, and talking about this. Uh, so that women won't make the decision to take these drugs. Well, Abby, um, you've been on the front lines for a long time now, and obviously uh, you have a, a great perspective uh, on the ground. Uh, how do you see uh, post-Row America? What is it looking like uh, today here uh, on this uh, upcoming 50th anniversary of Row? Well, you know, I, I think I think that there were a lot of people after Roe was overturned, that had this faulty notion that since Roe was overturned, that we were kind of done. And I think now people are saying, oh, wait, that that, that wasn't right. Uh, that wasn't correct. We, we still do have a lot of work to do. And so um, people do need to, to hear me when I say that. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, it, it kind of it made our work different. So we, we, in a sense, um, gave ourselves more work because we took it from one federal battle to now 51 individual battles, if you include the, the, uh, if you include DC. So now we have 51 individual fights instead of just one, one fight, uh, with the Supreme court. And so, um, but what I know to be true is that the pro-life movement is strongest at the grassroots level. And um, I don't think most of us ever believed that abortion was going to be made unthinkable because of legislation. We believe that abortion is going to be made unthinkable because of conversations, because of conversions, um, because of transformations and those happen through the work that's being done outside of abortion facilities, uh, pregnancy centers, one-on-one conversations that we're having work that's being done in churches. So we have to really pick up the pace. Uh, We have to really double down on that conversion sort of work that we're doing. Well, there's no question that uh, this is a, a historic and a, and a special march for life uh, this time around. First time since Roe was overturned. Uh, how is this going to be different uh, from your perspective than uh, previous marches? 
Well, I think there's a collective sigh of relief um, from from all pro-lifers um, that you know Roe Roe is is over. I think particularly for a lot of uh, women who have had abortions, like like myself, I think it's um, definitely a, a sigh of relief. You know, we for those of us who've had abortions, we know the the damage that that Roe has has done the significant damage that, that Roe caused to, to so many women. And um, so I think there, there is just gratefulness that, that Roe is gone. Um, but I think at this March, I think there's going to be a, a push just to continue the fight. And I think that is, that is going to be the message. So, you know, gratefulness and, um, you know, that the Lord has heard the prayers uh, so many over the years, but also just, you know, kind of where do we go from here? And I, I think um, that message is, is going to be loud and clear. Um, Abby, my, my understanding is, is that the, the, the marchers will march uh, past uh, the U.S. Capitol building. Uh, it, it, do you think that this is uh, an important uh, message that's being sent to the members of Congress? Well, I mean, yes. Um, I'm not sure that they are, or I think that they are, are trying to close their eyes to this and kind of stick their fingers in their ears. Um, I think that they are, are trying to be, I think that they're willfully ignorant to the fact that, um, you know, the overwhelming majority of Americans do not, um, they do not want what the Democratic Party is out here trying to sell. Um, the overwhelming majority of Americans do want limits on abortion. They do want restrictions. The Democratic Party is trying to push abortion with no restrictions, no limits, elective abortion on demand at any time. Um, and the taxpayers, you know, are going to foot the bill. And that's really just out of step with the majority of their own constituency. Um, and so I, I think that they are, you know, they're trying to act like that, um, they know what Americans want, but Americans do not want what the Democratic Party is, is pushing. And so, um, I wish that, that Congress would stick their heads out the window and, and see, you know, the tens of thousands, you know, over a hundred thousand people that are going to be marching down the street, um, because we are the people that are really in step with the bulk of Americans. And uh, Abby, obviously your organization has been doing some fantastic uh, work and then there were none uh, helping uh, uh, abortion clinic workers uh, to transition out of the industry. Uh, can you uh, share with us just a little bit of, of uh, how you've been working with them and just so many that have, that have left the abortion industry? Yeah, so we have quite a few actually here with us at the March for Life, which is just an amazing thing. Um, we've helped just at 640 former abortion workers uh, leave their jobs and um, get new jobs and, and come into a, a saving relationship with Christ. And um, many, many of those workers were fallen away Catholics, and they're now back into a, a sacramental relationship with Christ. So very exciting. And um, yeah, I mean, those workers have, many of them have come out and they've said, you know what, I know things about this clinic that 
um, officials need to know, state officials need to know. So we've been able then to go back and shut down 27 of, uh, of the clinics where these, these workers left. So God has been so good. He's been so gracious. And, um, and I think that, you know, our ministry is just a, a really good example that conversion is possible for every single person and um, that, that God's mercy, he, it waits for everyone. And that was my uh, now classic conversation uh, with Abby Johnson. She wasn't able to be with us uh, live as planned. Abby, the former Planned Parenthood clinic director and the CEO and founder of And Then There Were None, doing fantastic work. Glenn, we're just uh, hours away uh, from uh, the uh, 51st March for Life. That's right. Uh, rallies uh, go on uh, later this morning. There's a concert at 11 on the National Mall. The rallies at noon and then the march itself from one to four this afternoon once again in washington dc as as marching for life continues federal laws have changed but state laws in many cases have gotten tougher against life john and uh sarah our listeners if you can't be there in person they can still get involved oh yeah for sure we have uh alan in massachusetts fasting from negative thoughts gus hey he's 10 he's uh giving up youtube and his bed mm, interesting okay hey well there's lots of ways and it's not too late relevantradio.com and a hashtag fast for life so uh not too late like sarah said and now once again it's time for another episode of glenn story corner Our story today called The Auction. The upstate New York man was rich in almost every way. His estate was worth millions. He owned houses, land, antiques, and cattle. But on the outside, he had it all. He was very unhappy on the inside. His wife was growing old, and the couple was childless. He'd always wanted a little boy to carry on the family legacy. Miraculously, his wife became pregnant in her later years, and she gave birth to a little boy. The boy was severely handicapped. The man loved him with his whole heart. When the boy was five, his mom died. The dad drew closer to his special son. At age 13, the boy's birth defects cost him his life, and the father died soon after from a broken heart. The estate was auctioned before hundreds of bidders. The first item offered was a painting of the boy. No one bid. They waited like vultures for the riches. Finally, the poor housemaid who helped raise the boy offered $5 for the picture and easily took the bid. To everyone's shock, the auctioneer ripped a handwritten will from the back of the picture. And this is what it said. To the person who thinks enough of my son to buy this painting, to this person I give my entire estate. The auction was over. The greedy crowd walked away in shock and dismay. How many of us have sought after what we thought were true riches, only to find out later our father was prepared to give us his entire estate if we'd only sought after his son alone? Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Thanks so much, uh, Glenn, as always. And that'll do it for this March for Life edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, Young Thomas, and our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. I leave you with the timeless words of my hero, Pope St. John Paul II, John Paul the Great, the Pope of the Culture of Life. America, you are beautiful and blessed. The ultimate test of your greatness is the way that you treat every human being, but especially the weakest and most defenseless. 
If you want equal justice for all and true freedom and lasting peace, then America defend life. Let's invoke Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the unborn in a special way here uh, this morning. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. 